0: i'm Bryn lucas and welcome to another episode of it's all about me and my guest this week is former blue peter gardening presenter lee connolly aka the skinny gene gardener so lee connolly the skinny gene gardener thank you very much for joining me on the podcast Thanks for having me. I'm I'm privileged. You are. You are indeed. <laughs> it's exciting. Now, I googled your name, right? To do a little bit of research, googled your name. There are about three or four things that always pop up. One is Blue Peter. One is your podcast. One is Flymo, because the ambassador work you do with Flymo. And one is your book. But before we get to any of that, how do you see yourself? Oh,
1: it's a really tough one. I've, you know one of them things, you like go to parties and people ask, like who have not met, what do you do? I've always really struggled with that question. Only recently, I've just narrowed it down to podcaster. I'm a, mainly a kids' garden and podcaster. So I get families, parents, teachers, all involved. Now, if anyone asks me, I'm a podcaster, that's it. Because you know what I mean? Like, the Blue Peter stuff is great. That was a
0: few years ago now, but in like, I feel like I've done so much more since then. <laughs> yeah, and yet the internet always throws up stuff, you know, that past is always the present, isn't it, on the internet? Yeah, I mean, as long as the crime watch stuff don't pop up, I'm happy. <laughs> Let's talk about your early life then. Talk me through your family and who's around you when you were growing up. I feel really lucky that I my mum and dad and my brother went did so
1: much. I feel like an old man when I say this, but time before before technology came about. Do you know what I mean? Um, we used to go out a lot. We used to spend a lot of time outdoors. Go away quite quite a bit on a little caravan not like sunny my mum hated flying so we went to our for once and that was sort of the only time we went abroad but we did like a lot of caravan camping trips which I love how deep are we going to go here? Well it depends how, we...
0: how deep is your love that's the question
1: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I had a really good childhood Do you know I mean I was really really lucky and my mum and dad's Always made time for us and always got us outdoors. Yeah, it was good. I had a good I had a really good childhood, man. Like, I can't I can't complain about it to be most of you. Where did you grow up then? I'm cultured, born and bred, mate, and I'm I'm never leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I love cultured. I'm culture and Essex. So it's um 20 minutes from the nearest beach, which uh, I always took as a bit for granted. But my wife moved over here and she used to have to travel like three hours to the nearest beach. So so for me, like we are we always down the beach. We had a nice little beach hut. We were always down there. You know, I love being near the sea. It's just a nice place to be. you know I mean, I'm proud to, to live in Colchester. It's a, it's a lovely little town.
0: Yeah, you live the quintessential English person's life. You know, you've got a beach hut down on the on the British resort.
1: Yeah, I feel like that. Yeah. I've never talked about it before, but I've, I do feel like I had a really lucky childhood. How old's your brother? He is 31 now. So we've got about a year between us. So we've always been quite close. Actually, that's a lie. You know when you're like really young and like, I don't know, four or five, maybe up to seven years old, you're really close. And then between the age of, I don't know, 10 and 20, you just clash. And we just clashed so much. And he was such a different person to me. Like we had very little in common. We were a brother, you know, that brotherly love. But he was like an entertainer. He went on to become a, an entertainer at a holiday camp. I went on to become an electrician. He was very outgoing and he was one of them children. My nan and my mum used to go up to town. They still do it now. Every single Friday used to go to town and uh, used to take me and my brother. My brother was such a chatterbox that they had to put him in the playgroup because they had to have a break from him. On the opposite side of that, I was really quiet. Like I hardly said anything. I was the quietest person ever.
0: Which is weird, because your career now is reliant on you talking and being outgoing.
1: It is weird, because we did a bit of a flip, to be honest with you. He's really quiet now. He keeps himself to himself and is a bit behind the scenes, whereas I can't stop talking now. <laughs> so it's a strange one, isn't it? But I used to be really quiet, like a, a really shy boy. i like really shy. I never used to be able to, even up to the age of about 20, actually. I couldn't even answer the telephone, my house phone. I didn't like have many friends i didn't like i've got a, a little core group of friends but i wasn't a geek am i allowed to say this yeah yeah i wasn't definitely. like a geek but i wasn't like a popular but i was like in the, an in-between person i feel like i could have been one of them people that if someone said is lee at school today no one would really know because i just kept under the radar i would have made a good spy probably <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you didn't but you chose gardening <laughs>
1: I chose gardening. Yeah, not quite, <laughs> quite the same. <laughs> you know, I got bullied quite a bit. I, had, I got bullied quite a bit at school, which not a nice thing to go through. And I, when I left school, I was well happy to leave to my CV.
0: Was that at secondary school?
1: Yeah, it was mainly secondary school. Primary school, I was okay. The secondary school, I don't know what it is about people. And you know, it's, I'm 32 now,
0: and I see these people
1: down the street. And everyone changes, don't they? But I still think, ah oh, you were horrible to me at school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. can you how long do you keep a grudge for?
0: As long as you want, mate, I think, is the answer. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll be in an old people's home and I'll see someone walk past, I'm like, I still don't like you, 16 mm. years on. I think that's fair. I think and the more the older you get, the more you're allowed to have grudges as well, actually. I think you've earned oh, it. <laughs> you hear of grumpy old man all the time, right? They're not grumpy, they've just got grudges. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's exactly what it is, yeah. <laughs> I was a sort of in-betweeny kid as well. I played for the school football team for most of the years. I think I stopped playing in the, in the final year of school. But I, I was friends with, I suppose, the the footbally sort of jocks, you know. And I was friends with the the, the other sort of people as well. So I was, I was kind of in-betweeny. What did you get picked on for them?
1: Oh, I don't. Well, I tell you what. I was <laughs> I was head of. Uh, oh, I don't know what I'm telling you this. I was head of the Robot Wars Club. That
0: sounds awesome.
1: Uh, well, wow, I know, right? I thought it. There's only three. Well, it's probably about four of us in there. I don't know. People didn't like it, maybe because I was the CEO. I call myself the CEO of the Robot Wars Club. <laughs> um, I don't know what it was. It was just not. It's just not fitting in with the the norm. I suppose. One time, I tried to do the whole football thing. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm one of them people that I don't mind watching football. I've got no idea really what's going on with it. But I enjoy like the social side of it more than anything. But back then at school, I thought right if I'm going to be part of the crew, I need to get into football. So I went football training once. Basically what happened was I almost had like a bit of a, not a heart attack, but like a a panic attack or something. Right. (laughs) And the trainer had to put put me in the back of his car, laid out and drive me home where my mum looked after me in bed for the rest of the day. Everyone remembers their first time they kicked the football and that's my memory after that experience I didn't obviously go football training anymore, but I had a kick around sometimes with my mates. I think I was a pretty good footballer they'd disagree, but I was not a, I was not going for the goals I was more of a team player i'll I'll set people up but um they obviously don't think that because I was never chosen for the team so
0: just such a giving character right you're just so giving yeah,
1: yeah that's it yeah I think I would have Probably if uh, an England scout saw me, they would have probably thought that. I reckon they for Giving, thought, "Given, He'll give the ball
0: to Rooney. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I know. I and mean, we refer to the previous statement of you don't know much about football. <laughs>
1: no. I don't, I don't know what he come up in my head. <laughs> Great player. Everyone always takes... They always took the mick out of me. Like My mate always takes the mick out of me because I didn't have a team to support. So I supported um, Man United. And I can't date this, but whenever anyone asks me about football players it's always like uh, David Beckham Andy Cole Terry Sheridan who come to play for Colchester United at the end of his career can you believe and
0: Heskey Heskey the Man U player
1: no he played for England I had some (laughs) England uh,
0: people I liked as (laughs) well you should have hated him because you're a Man U fan he's played for Liverpool so you know I would never have known
1: I would never have known that
0: Right, so talk to me a bit about Robot Wars and your love of it. You said you were a bit of a geek. What was it? Your love of robots, your love of the show. The Robot Wars Club, we were actually
1: designing and building. It never got built in the end. We spent mostly, it was lunchtimes, planning what our robot was going to look like. And also we did we did day trips, mate. We did little weekend day trips where they used to do fake robot wars. You know where events change the name slightly like robot fights (laughs) and loads of people come and watch the robots fight just so they don't get done by copyright so that was it i don't know what it was i mean we all thought that we were going to be on robot wars i think that was the main thing
0: robot warriors coming to a macky d's near you
1: (laughs) a little bit cheaper (laughs) than the actual one like five or a ticket
0: now i know you wanted to do something slightly different when you were a bit younger you wanted to be a car designer.
1: Yeah. When everyone was playing football on a Saturday, I used to spend a lot of time at home just designing cars. Thinking back to it, it looks a little bit like a Tesla. A lot of my cars I designed look like a Tesla all right to his back. So maybe Elon Musk come along and might have seen a little bit of screwed up paper with my design it. I don't know. i got a feeling Elon Musk is going to listen to this podcast and he's going to start <laughs> sweating a bit. Definitely. 100%. <laughs> I used to spend loads of time like sitting and designing cars, and mainly the outer bodies of them. But
0: what was the driving force?
1: Driving force. <laughs> my uncle used to work at a dump, like a, a rubbish tip, and yeah. you know you can get their magazines. Like they're one pound ninety nine for your first magazine, and then the rest are like a tenner each to get the whole collection. You end up spending about forty grand or something on little model cars. I do. Well, well, he basically they used to throw their magazines out when no one bought them. And I used to end up with loads of these cars. So that's sort of when I first got into cars a little bit and started looking at different body shapes and what, what cars are doing. So I always wanted to design stuff and, and cars was one of the things that I wanted
0: to go and do. So you loved cars. What about motorsport and all things that go with cars?
1: Me and my dad were banging into F1. It used to be like a Sunday tradition. When F1 was good, um, <laughs> it used to be like a Sunday tradition.
0: I grew up watching Formula 1. There was that and there was British Touring Car, really, back in the day. And there were probably, what, 12 races a season, of Formula 1. Mm-hmm. So it felt like Formula 1 was an event. Every time there was a race, it was an event because there weren't yeah. that many. And now, you know, what, 21, 22 races a season. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems like a lot. To be honest, Juvia, Schumacher sort
1: of ruined, ruined it, to be honest with you, didn't he? <laughs> he did though he, <laughs> becomes, he can't win every race and then like Peter and I "Oh, who's going to win this week well Vettel did exactly the same didn't he and Hamilton don't get me wrong I'm not saying someone should say to him, um, slow down mate let someone else win but <laughs> 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 uh, you know it, it got a bit repetitive and but uh, I mean we still watched it when I left my home I missed that every Sunday me and dad used to sit and watch that so I missed I'm, I do miss that even now a little bit but
0: yeah,
1: you know when you you, you know got a girlfriend, got a wife. Can't as much say every Sunday I'm going to go over and have a few beers and watch Formula
0: One. Well, especially at uh, what, half past five in the morning when it's over in Japan or something.
1: Yeah. Oh, I used to love those ones. Those be so good. You know, when you're a little bit younger, you can have a little, little beer with your dad, can't you? And we uh, used to wake up at that time in the morning your dad used to be like, come on, let's have a little beer. <laughs> like, what are they doing? It? If, if over there, you know, they're having a lovely time, we'll do it as well. One of the things I want to do is just earn and save enough money to go to Monaco. That's my biggest dream, to take my dad to Monaco and watch race.
0: Oh, yes. Yes, that is the dream right there, isn't it? What is it about it, though? What is it? Why do we want to go to Monaco?
1: It's just the atmosphere. Go to Silverstone, when we used to go, we used to leave sometimes. Not really, knowing who won, <laughs> like, you, like because they go past so fast, you've got no idea whereabouts it is. But it is just being, it's part of that atmosphere and just being there. And there's something about one of them cars driving past. I mean, it obviously changed a bit now because uh, yeah, they're a bit quieter now, aren't they? You can feel a rumble now. They're a bit like more like, mm. like a
0: Hoover almost. <laughs> Other brands are available. <laughs> Dyson's going. What about me and my bagless? <laughs> Your relationship with your folks then sounds like it has been pretty good. Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, I haven't really got a sob story in that sense.
0: What do your folks do for a living then? My dad's a he's
1: a, a roofer. He builds a lot of the gardens that I come up with and and design. He's a, he's always there. He's one of them people. He's one of them really annoying people that can put his hand to anything. Um, so uh, he does that. And my mum in uh, my childhood she used to be a playgroup teacher, but now she works in our shop. In your so, yeah. shop, not in my. shop in in a shop she'd never she never never let me employ her she's crazy (laughs) and yeah
0: (laughs) so uh so yeah your brother was the entertaining one who went off to to a park like a holiday park and became a holiday entertainer sort of thing but what's he do now some type of marketing so he does something called
1: story brand which basically helps businesses uh work out what their actual story is and what they're trying to put across so it's not marketing as in or oh, I'll do your social media, but it just makes businesses and, and people as well think a little bit more about, about what they're putting out there and what, what their message is. That's what it is. It's about clarifying their message. We always used to clash quite a bit, but he's actually, uh, hopefully he won't listen to this because it'll give him a big edge. but he's
0: quite a clever, clever little cookie. Mm, cookies. What's your favourite cookie? I, you got a fav- Who has a favourite cookie? It's got to be chocolate chip hasn't it? Chocolate chip, but gooey, so it's not, you know, like you, it doesn't snap like a biscuit. It, it sort of just, oh, I love cookies. I've got all my teeth are sweet. I've got one savoury tooth, all of the rest of them are sweet. I'm a fiend when it comes to any sweets, biscuits, cakes. If they're in the house, they will be gone within moments. I'm, I'm a nightmare. Sweet or savoury? I'm savoury all the way. Give me a sausage roll when I'm, I'm anyone's. <laughs> but like a posh, a posh sausage roll, not a cheap Greg's one, no?
1: No, I'm happy with with uh I'm happy with any type mate. I'm happy with any type.
0: Right, okay, back to podcast. That that won't be in the podcast by the way. <laughs> back to podcast world then. Um that was gold. That's the best you're getting. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're at school and you were you were being bullied then, did your parents know about this?
1: Yeah, they they did. And they, you know, they would try to advise as much as possible. It's really difficult for parents. I'm a parent now. It's a difficult thing for them to work out what to do. And there wasn't a massive reason for it. But, you know, I don't know what it is about childhood. It's just if you stick out a little bit, I think definitely teachers and schools are a little bit more
0: on it. Teachers are a little bit more aware of it now, do more about it. Did you leave school with loads of qualifications? Did you just scrape through? What was the story there?
1: I Actually, I, I got a lot of A stars. A star English, well, happy mate. IT, yeah, A-star, art, woodwork, all them sort of things. Mathematics, don't get me started on that. That was a nightmare. I needed it. I needed a C. I went on to become an electrician, so I needed that C to get on that course. I did a right on everything else. It's a shame art wasn't something you needed to become an electrician.
0: Funny, because art has come back into your life, really, when it comes to gardens. Art features quite highly, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, massively. I suppose it sort of goes back to that uh, sitting in my bedroom designing cars you know i mean like
0: but so you left school you wanted to design cars as a kid uh, or or run the world with robots um, but that couldn't happen or didn't happen you went down the sparky route how did you get into that
1: i mean my dad was a he's a roofer uh, and a, a you know like i say a bit of a builder and it was always one of them things like i said oh i want to go to university and then it wasn't it's not part of our family to like, no one in my family's ever been to university so it was always get a trade and I didn't really know. I didn't really know what I was going to do, to be honest with I knew I wanted to design cars, but at that age, you just don't know. You just think that's oh, a bit of a, a daydream. I mean, at the same time as I was saying I wanted to go and design cars for a living when I'm older, I was also saying I wanted to be a Formula One driver. So I can sort of see <laughs> sort of see where my parents were, were thinking, he doesn't know what he wants to do. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I wanted to become an electrician, basically. Yeah, I'm well happy I did it. Don't get me wrong, but... For me, it was just not one of them
0: things I woke up in the morning excited about. So how did the, um, the interest, or where did the interest in gardening come from?
1: It was, a, it was a bit of a fluke, to be honest with you. Maybe eight years ago. I never, got in, I never got into gardening when I was younger. It was nothing I used to ever do. Then I left my home to go and, and move in with my now wife. And me and my brother, actually, we were really quite close by then. We went through a period where we really didn't like each other. I went travelling for a bit after... I completed my qualifications for being an electrician, and uh we missed each other so, like loads. But when I got back, we, 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 you know, we wanted to try and get our, our brother relationship back. So we, you know, we we've been through the football thing. That definitely didn't work for it for either of us. Uh We wanted to try and be in a band, but we, we both can't and still can't play instruments. Gardening was just one of those things. My brother he, he got into the church a bit, not just a bit. He got, he got into the church. And uh, the vicar said he's got an allotment, and he said he'd give us half of it. So we were like, well, right, well
0: let's go do some gardening." Right.
1: Okay. <laughs> so that was more...
0: so <laughs> it was like it... a it was a bonding thing then, really.
1: Yeah, it wasn't about the guy. It wasn't like I woke up one day and thought, "Oh, do you know what I really fancy? Getting a spade and digging some soil." It was more of a, a spending time together with each other mm. thing. And it was, and like I say, like we were we were both rubbish at sports, like absolutely terrible so it was never going to be one of those things that brought us together and he and he wasn't into motor racing either like he was just me and my dad sort of thing and, and like I say he was a very different person like we were totally different personalities so to try and find something that we both had no idea about or gardening was that thing we could both sit there and learn one of us didn't know more about it than the other so it was quite nice There wasn't like a competition it was both learning together and uh and just spending time together. We couldn't argue about it, basically. I mean, that was the, that's the main thing about it. <laughs>
0: yes, yeah, so you found something that was sort of neutral territory. Mm-hmm. Working on an allotment that the vicar owned with your brother and then getting TV work from that. This is a big story here because when I said at the top that if you Google your name, Blue Peter comes in. So how did that event come about?
1: We spent about half a year on this allotment for this vicar. Then we got our own allotment. And then Jimmy Doherty, who owns Jimmy's farm, literally just up the road from us. That's
0: has Jamie us. Oliver's mate, isn't it, Jimmy?
1: Yeah, Jamie Oliver's mate. but He loves being called Jamie Oliver's mate. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, anyway, he spotted us. That's not how the story goes. We started using social media, basically, as the story to find out how to grow stuff because we had no idea. Social media, it feels like social media was early back then. We got loads of people commenting, giving us answers, which was wicked, and that helped us along. And we were actually called at a time Brothers with Land. So we had like a little YouTube channel we started. And then we saw, advertised, a program called the Big Allotment Challenge, which we went actually went and did a screen test for. I hope this person doesn't hear this, because if they do, they might copyright me. <sighs> We were both wearing skinny jeans, and she said to us, huh, you guys should be called the skinny jean gardeners. We didn't get the gig. We were probably too hilarious to get it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we left, went to the local Weatherspoons, classy, and sat down and go, that's quite a good idea, that, not it? And we called ourselves skinny jean gardeners. So then once we put that up, Jimmy Doherty noticed us, Jamie Oliver's mate, and uh, said, do you mind coming up to the farm because I've got an area that I thought you guys could do. And we're like, oh yeah, wicked. So we went to the farm and he had a massive, it used to be an old cow paddock, which he turned into an allotment and his wife sort of dealt with it. And obviously she didn't have time to do it. So we got there and I'm not even joking, the weeds for this garden were above our head. And he was like, this is it. This is yours, do whatever you want. And we spent a whole year getting it ready. You know, we had all our mates down helping us with it, all for free, it was all volunteer work. but. It was really cool. And obviously, being like Jimmy's gardeners almost got us noticed by different channels a bit. And he's got mates and bits in, in the TV world, didn't he? So we went on to Sunday brunch, we did a few bits with we went on to uh, ITV and taught Alan Titchmarsh how to grow stuff, which is mental really, isn't it? He, he, he knew really. He knew, but he made it. Out he didn't. And uh, and then yeah, Blue Peter came along, which is wicked. Like, never did I think I'd be on Blue Peter. Like we were the first to take an allotment up there which was really cool. And then we spent about three years putting out gardening content for them. So it was wicked. Never did I think, I've got the Blue Peter, where's that Blue Peter badge? Blue Peter badge is around here somewhere. But never did I think, never did I think that I'd be on Blue Peter. That's, that's crazy to watch that as a child and then uh, and actually be on it.
0: Everyone grew up on Blue Peter, everybody. No matter who it was, they could be 145 years old, still clinging on to their, you know, their, I have one beer a day and that's what keeps me alive. And they grew up on Blue Peter before TVs were invented. <laughs> Everyone's had Blue Peter in their life somehow. It is,
1: it's just such a big, and, and to see how it all works and the team, that all brings it together is, I mean, TV full stop to see all that is in, an incredible thing to be part of. Like, my mum and dad didn't blink an eye to it. <laughs> Sometimes I still go around for a barbecue with my Blue Peter badge and they don't, don't, still don't care. But uh, but we, we and my brother loved it. We thought it was incredible, do you know what I mean? How did that end then? Do um, you know what? It's, it's a funny one. There's a boy called George. He must have been about 11 at the time. And basically they started having him as the gardener. He's still gardener now. Good on him. I, I think, I don't know. It's a fickle old world TV, isn't it? I suppose they thought a, a, a child would actually speak better to, to kids. I must have been about 27, 28. So, it, oh. so he, he took over, which he's wicked at it. Don't get me wrong. He's wicked. And I met his mum last year at a show that I was doing. And I joked. I said, oh, yeah, You took my job, didn't you? I was only messing, and his
0: mum actually thought I was being serious. He was really apologetic. I was joking. That led to the unfortunate photographs of you having to punch up in a car park with a poor kid's mum, right? <laughs>
1: that's it, yeah. That's it, yeah.
0: <laughs> that didn't happen, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to your wife then. So when did you meet your current wife? They don't like to be called current. My current when wife. Did meet, no. When did you meet your wife? Uh, I met her in
1: travelling, tra- in travelling, in, in while travelling, should I say, when I was in Australia. So I went in between being an electrician and then coming back and being an electrician again. I spent a year going around Australia and we met in an Irish pub. So, you know, classic on-tour adventure in an Irish pub. And everyone always asks me, oh, wow, you've got an Australian wife. And I'm like, no, she's actually from London. So I went to the other <laughs> other side of the world to, uh, to meet a Londoner. What does she do then? She's a nurse. She works in endoscopy. So she likes to come back and tell me all about the horror stories that are of, of nursing. And I don't particularly enjoy those stories. <laughs> I'm no. one of them people that, even if my arm was chopped off, I'd probably try and stick a plaster on it before I went to the
0: doctor. <laughs> the doctor. <laughs> it's a job that I, I definitely couldn't do. I am a bit, I'm too squeamish. I once was cutting away the rubber seal underneath the sink. I was trying to take the plug out and it got seized and I was cutting away this rubber and I, yeah. it kind of came free and the blade went straight into the tip of my thumb, like directly on oh. the top of my thumb and in. And I pulled the knife out and it went so far in and it just mm. flapped open. It was disgusting. And and I thought, oh, this isn't, this isn't good. This isn't good at all. Well, first of all, I got some sellotape and I just put it on and, and closed it up with sellotape and then went to the cupboard, found some Steri-strip stuff and cut it into little thin bits and then taped it on and taped <laughs> it all back together again. And then after about two or three days, I thought I'll have a look. It was throbbing a bit, but I'll have a look and see what it's doing. And as I pulled the tape off, it just oh. opened it all back up again. So I was like, oh. so I had to cut more tape and put that back on. And then about two weeks later, I removed it and I managed to close it all up and it was fine. But I've still got a scar on the end of my thumb and it feels very sort of thin, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so It's what an I'm... achievement though, mate. Medical, <laughs> medical professional. So the moral of the story is, if you have an ailment, go to the hospital. <laughs> What's the worst <laughs> injury you've ever had? this is a bit sad really I've
1: just cut through my thumb a little bit with a hacksaw that's about it that's, a, that's the worst I've ever had I dropped a, a mallet <laughs> a mallet on my foot once my toenail come off oh it made me feel sick even thinking about it that's it that's about it really oh, I don't it's not a big cat cat loved, is, is it. it not really is it I've been pretty lucky but you watch after this interview I'll probably walk out and
0: break my leg well I hope so if that happens can you phone me back and we'll add that to it we'll get it in yeah <laughs> So you got into gardening. You also got into podcasting then. Yeah, man.
1: Three years ago, I was on someone's podcast and I thought, this is cool. And there wasn't many garden podcasts around then either. My brother decided that he didn't want to, to do it anymore. We didn't do Blue Pit anymore, but we would we started to do a lot of brand stuff and, and we were getting asked to do a few different TV programs and bits like that, but he was just not really into it. And mm. uh, so it was at a point where I could continue to do it. Like I say, he was the outgoing one and I still was a bit shy so when he left i was a bit like "Well, can i do this on my own like how the hell am i gonna stand on stage how the heck am i gonna even even just talk to people without him so it was a real crossroads man. and then i was on someone's podcast and it was just almost coming to the end it was christmas time and i had to decide whether the next year i was going to do it or not i thought this podcast stuff's wicked like you're hidden behind a microphone yeah it's not so much face to face i wasn't really thinking massively about the show stuff i was i put that to the side until that comes around like the stage bits, and I thought I'd start my own podcast you know what I mean so it was it was awesome like I, I was, even even if I do say so myself, it was cool to to like start something like that, also start something on my own as well, away from my brother to, to put a final chapter of that and is the new chapter of skinny Jean Gardner. And yeah, I love it, man. I've been podcasting ever since. I can't believe I've been, I've podcasted every single week for three years. I can't believe it, really.
0: Yeah. And and it's called the Skinny Jean Gardener Podcast.
1: Gardening can come across as a bit boring. And I don't, I don't want to be boring, mate. I don't want to be boring. I'm I'm happy that it's sort of working out, that my style sort of works
0: out. Was the whole reason of aiming or becoming more, getting kids into gardening and gardening for kids being the focus? Was it because of your daughter or was it that it just naturally went down that route from you know, Blue Peter, etc, cetera, etc? Cetera?
1: Yeah, to be honest with you, it was, it was the Blue Peter thing that pushed it. Before that, I just enjoyed gardening. And then we got asked to do talks and bits on stage, little bits of TV, bits about kids gardening. And so then when I had my daughter, it became even more important. I felt like, yeah, this is the thing I want to do. She was like two months old and I had a, with a little handful of wildflower seeds and i was like yeah this is wicked you know don't get me wrong It's took a few years i've got one of them minds that can get really easily distracted i mean if you listen to the podcast when i first started about 280 i think 280 episodes ago it's very different to what it is now if you put your time enough in one thing and mm-hmm. that will grow and over three years we've built quite an audience on there so i'm glad it's worked out i'm glad that's that's proven true because if i only had about three people listening i'd have um
0: <laughs> it wouldn't be so good <laughs> no actually, around hundred thousand listeners a month or something your your podcast gets
1: yeah it's good to see it working like i say it's just good to see it's something that you, you put a lot of effort into
0: yeah uh, how do you sell your podcast to people what do you say if somebody says what's your podcast about
1: it's, it is really it all comes down to that them family interactions so we've had a lot more teachers on because they really want to put their voice out of there about gardening and, and growing and stuff. We had a few parents on as well. So it's really one of them places that if you want to get kids involved, then it's an information source for that. Do you know what I mean? It really is. And it's good for me as well. Like, I find like I don't really do a lot of research before chatting to people because I want to find out about them um, fresh, fresh off the block. And also, I want to learn as well. I want to learn from people about what they're doing and what works. Because if I, if I want to get kids involved, and if that's the message I'm putting out there, then I want to learn from these people. It's really easy to come along and say, this is what you got to do to get kids gardening, and then find out that it doesn't actually work. That's, I mean, that's what we used to do when we were at Blue Peter. We never even had kids. And we were used to do these Blue Peter makes, which look fancy and look wicked, but they don't always work out, mate. You know, children have different ideas as to what the parent, <laughs> the parent actually wants to go and do. Because it's, it's easy for me. Like, i just went on a school tour and we got 10,000 kids in one week gardening. And it was wicked and it was, and it was great, but I learned a lot from it. If I want to get teachers getting gardening into school, I need to know from the teachers how they can work that into to their schedule. And that's what the podcast does. It's the same with parents. Like, every parent's different. And every parent's got different ideas. So, anyway, back to the question. It's quite a long answer, but, <laughs> but that's what it's all about.
0: So your daughter, Olive, when did she arrive on the scene?
1: Uh, five happy years ago. <laughs> <laughs> what year? 2013. She? No, it wasn't. 2015. <laughs> Crikey. God, oh, that you and maths, eh? <laughs> I know. I you, I did say, didn't I? Yeah, 2015. She... Uh, she joined us. And um, I was going around the country at the same time. In fact, when she was born, uh, I was meant to be in Birmingham. So I said to my wife, I said, look, I don't think she's coming. I'll go up, do these shows, and I'll come back after the weekend. Uh, that didn't go down too well, obviously. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> And thank God I didn't go because she came that weekend. But yeah, and so just as I started, and we went to Japan and did a show garden over there. But she obviously didn't come. It was cool, man. We were growing stuff together, even though she was little. It was one of those things I've always wanted to get her into gardening. I never did used to do it when I was younger. So I knew that I wanted her to
0: do it as well. So you've written a book then, um, How to Get Kids Gardening. Is this because of skinny jean gardener and what you do with the podcasts and what you do with the school's tours and what you do when you're on stage and the tv stuff or is it just to do with i wanted to get my daughter into gardening and i had loads of ideas so i wrote them all down
1: yeah it was a bit like it was that to be honest with you because like i say it was all these ideas that i tested and tried out with olive and i knew worked so i just wanted to put that over to people i wanted to make it easy for people to be able to sit down with children and and know that there's an idea there that you know, is not one not going to cost too much money because gardening can be a lot of dosh. Uh, and also it's easy for them to get involved with. Like, we've got so many parents that want to get gardening, but one ain't got the money to do it. All the space as well, all the space to do it. All um, the knowledge. So that's what the book's about, to be honest with you. Really simple, really easy, and it just helps kids start
0: their garden adventure. I think that's the biggest thing, that start it. You kind of hit the world, didn't you? With probably the... The ideal time, you know, you, you're burst on the scene really when it comes to gardening at a time when social media was starting to grow, but it was it was really in the infancy. And then that means that as you've grown and developed, you've managed to bed yourself in at the right time.
1: Yeah, I think so. I've got a love-hate relationship with social media. You can sort of get a bit sucked into it, do you know what I mean? You can sort of get sucked into the numbers side of things and, it's, you know, there's a lot of hate on social media as well sometimes. And this is the reason I have I've got I've wrote a book rather than we looked at doing an app and doing more videos and that. But it is about, for children especially, having something physical, a book that they can flick through with their parents yeah. and, and do. If I didn't do the job I do, I, I wouldn't have social media, mate. I wouldn't do it. Oh, really? Yeah, no, I just think, I don't know. I don't really want, I know it's going to happen. Olive's only five years old, but I know she's going to get into it at some point. I don't know if I'd want her to, to get into this whole Instagram as influencer influencer world she's five years old and she she knows about instagram stories and all of them sorts of things through me i fell into the trap with that sort of stuff for her to come on and, and be part of it but i don't want her to get involved it's going to be part of of life in the future there's no stopping it you know what i mean it's because we're going to be sound like granddads in the future when we say it but uh i don't know about social media man it's
0: just one of them things isn't it Have you got any regrets from your career so far or decisions you've made?
1: Yeah, I have actually. How long you got?
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> i charge by the minute.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it. I tell you what, the one thing that I I do regret is because I, I got into gardening really early. Well, I got into gardening when I was about 26, should I say. But I got into the media world quite early on for gardening. Yeah. And as soon as you're on Blue Peter, as soon as you do something on TV, people label you as an expert. And... We obviously weren't experts. Like I said earlier, we spent a year weeding pretty much on two different allotments. And you sort of play up to it. You sort of have to BS your way through it to be that expert. And I wish I never did it. I wish, you know, I, even now, I'm not an expert. But I'm, I'm learning. I'm, I've not done RHS course because I ain't done any courses on this. I learn as I go along. I'm lear- if I'm doing something, I'm learning learning from it. Hmm. Uh, and I'm I'm well happy now to say that if I don't know something, I'll say
0: it so you come from it from a point of the regret is that you you didn't know or you you're positioned in something you didn't know too much about
1: yeah I, I think that's fine I don't think it's a I don't think that's a problem but I wasn't honest about it I' right. didn't, if someone asked me a question about a problem with uh, an apple tree I mean I ain't got an apple tree I've never had an apple tree but I would have probably sat there and and worked a, an answer out for them. but you know you chucked into this world where you were meant to be an expert and I wasn't. I was a year into gardening. Do you know what I mean, so mm. uh, that's my only regret, mate. That's my, my biggest regret from from uh, this this media world. It's a strange old world, man. It's a strange old world. But I'm happy to be
0: part of it. It's cool.
1: Um, but apart from that, uh, all good. I've been perfect. Apart from that, mate.
0: Pete Lee Conley and his horrific ego
1: (laughs) (laughs) everyone be like oh I really liked him up until that point (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'll make sure it goes very near the start save people having to listen (laughs) (laughs) what about hopes for the the future in your career
1: yeah that's a good that's a good question man I think we've been talking about that a lot so like I say Dale is still part my brother's still part of Everything I do, and, and behind the scenes, you don't see him, but he's there. And we've been talking about this quite a bit, and uh, it really is to grow the podcast. I want it to be, in the next 10 years, the, the biggest podcast. I mean, you look at the likes of Joe Rogan, and, uh, you know, it's inspiring. So the podcast, for me, is it's the biggest thing. I want it to be unstoppable to me. <laughs> that's, that's the word for it. And also, like this, this whole world gives me more time to spend with my daughter,
0: so I, can't, I don't want to forget that. So there you go. Lee Connolly, Skinny Jean Gardner, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Mate, thanks so much for having me. Well, thank you very much to the Skinny Gene Gardner, Lee Connolly. If you want to find out more about him, the easiest thing to do is find him on Insta, Skinny Gene Gardner, on Twitter, at Skinny Gene guard He didn't get the neurobit bit in. Or just Google him, Skinny Jean Gardner, Lee Connolly. You can listen to his podcast and more. Now, I thought I'd leave you with something that didn't make the actual podcast, although it is in the actual podcast. That's confusing, isn't it? Here it comes. You've been listening to It's All About Me. I'm Bryn Lucas. If you liked it, subscribe. If you didn't, don't tell anyone. Right, here's that outtake. Love of Clematis. (laughs) You cut out there and all I heard was, Love of Clematis. <laughs> that should be the name of the podcast, Lover Clematis. <laughs> People clicking on it for the wrong reasons though, but there you go. <laughs>